Hey guys, welcome back to Lesbian Honest. I'm Ash. I'm here with my amazing wife, Kirsch. What's up, guys? Oh, we are coming down off of a <laughs> long week. Week, end week, what, something. Yeah. <laughs> God bless it. Kirsch had a big old exam. Always. I, like, calculated how many exams I've had since January, and I've had eight exams since January, and it is literally the 28th. Of February, you guys. Eight exams in six weeks. Why? I mean, I'm super proud of you, though, because you're killing it. Um, I also feel like I'm killing it because I'm helping. <laughs> Ash is getting a secondhand nursing degree. She won't actually become a registered nurse, but she's definitely learning. So, I I'm mean, if you have medical questions, because it's been happening already, you know, when everybody hears, oh, you're in nursing school, they're like, I have a question. This happened to me. Do you know what to do? Oh, yeah, look at this mole. I'm just going to start transferring them to you. <laughs> Hi, yes. Um, so if you don't want to pay a copay to talk to Kears, <laughs> free advice. Oh, you want to talk about dog training? Okay, yes, I got you too. <laughs> okay, have that covered. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, I, I'm learning a lot of things. Uh, Poor Ash. It's giving me a lot of anxiety around like medicine again. And Ash is like, we'll, we'll study like a subject and she'll be like, what did you say that you didn't have the other day? And I was like, you don't have that because you don't take that medication. <laughs> it's like every week like especially right now while you're doing farm like every week like she talks about all these different things that they're treating and i'm like oh my god i have that what is it now i'm like a hypochondriac yes. is that what it is yeah. <sighs> yeah it does i get all stressed out i'm like I have that <laughs> no like, you don't literally those, just a side effect the, of the side drug. effect of this medication i have all of those <laughs> but you don't take this medication i was like what I do have... you do to treat all those side effects <laughs> because i feel like i have those <laughs> It's so funny. It, it's not though. It, it definitely is like, well, and like I've been working really hard this year to like really like do good about my health and like I'm going to the doctor a lot more, which is a huge stretch for me. Like I only go when like I really have to. And then I've also been going to the dentist, which is also a stressor for me. So I'm like, I'm like doing all the things and then I'm sitting here cramming for exams with cures and I'm like, my... <laughs> I'm understanding a lot more of what they're talking to me about, though. That's good. Education I, is key. I, yeah, I don't feel as dumb. Yeah. That's for sure. Good. They talk to me about something. I'm like, oh, yes, okay, yeah, I was like, I know what classification that antibiotic is in. What's the adverse effect to that drug? Okay, perfect. <laughs> What's its mechanism yes. of action? Right. <laughs> no, I already Is there a that. black box label on this drug? <laughs> okay, no, I'm, I'm going to say no to that one. Next. <laughs> is this a beta one or a beta two? <laughs> Uh, see, friends, this is what we do. Ah, uh, this is what we do on top of momming. So, so hard. It's, you know what, though? Like, I don't know. Sometimes I don't realize or know, like, how we did it. Like, sometimes I lay my head down on my pillow and I'm like, no, I just mean, like, how do we, we mom so hard? We do. But, like, that, literally. Like, sometimes I don't know where we get the energy or, like, I don't know. You just do it. I'm, pr I'm proud of us, though. Like, let, let's give ourselves a second and, like, a little pat on the back, though. Like, we have been enduring a lot yeah we've we've been hustling and our kids have kind of been laying it on thick recently too <laughs> they do that <laughs> and i feel like they're like hey mom you stress let me tell you something right let, let me, me come you at something. you let me tell you something, let me tell you something. <laughs> right and it is but but it's uh it i'm so glad we're in the headspace that we've been in though i know because i feel like we've been 
just so on top of like all these nif- different cues and these different conversations yeah. and like I feel I definitely feel like we're like ahead of not ahead of the curve because that makes us sound like ahead of others but like our own curve like we used to kind of sometimes you fall behind your curve when you're in like the thick of life and then all of a sudden you like something will come up and you'll be like oh my gosh we should have seen this coming because right. like you know but like I feel like we're really in tuned with like what's going on right now right which has been like a blessing and a curse because I feel like when you're so in tune, like you kind of feel like you don't get a break, like to mentally stop. But like also, it helps when things start to come up that you're like, okay, I'm like actually a little prepared for this. I've just and and we've had a lot of conversations that have come up at like the dinner table and yeah, like afterwards. So we spend a lot of time together as a family in the evenings. Like yeah. we generally are trying to like cook dinner together or Kirsten and I are cooking dinner to catch up to see how our days were. And then we sit down and we have a like meal together as a family every single night. Yeah. We sit at the dinner table. Every like night we don't together. eat at the couch. We don't eat at the TV stands like, or like Mm-mm. the coffee table. Like we eat at the dinner table every single night and we go around the table and we talk about how our days were and like what our struggles were. And then we like Sometimes, a lot of times we just listen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we ask if we want each other's advice or like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And, or we talk about like funny things, like jokes. Sometimes we're silly with each other. I don't know. What is it about sitting down at the table? You sit down at the table and then one of the kids is like, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh my God. And it's always the one that needs help generally. Mm -hmm. But like, or one of the other ones goes and they're like, I need toilet paper. (laughs) Oh my God. I just want to eat a hot meal. (laughs) But one day uh, it'll come. But I just well because then you have like kids and you got grandkids and then you got take care of your parents and then you got this this, that yeah I'm just this is what I'm saying this is what I'm saying whoa (laughs) that's a lot yeah yeah but but I feel like we have really capitalized on opportunities and conversations more recently in the last like probably four five six months yeah that like I don't know that we were like in a place of like listening or like catching those either right and so i also feel like it's so weird how like life kind of lines up according to like what's going on in your life like i'm in this like psych class right now for nursing and like there's been some like things coming up through like bowling at school and some things that are going on with our kids that i'm like not that I wouldn't have known what to do or felt prepared but like we've just been having a lot of talks about like how mental health has been such a like thing that we never talked about when we were growing up that like I think it has been like a forefront of conversation right now which is just interesting how it all like has like panned out right I think listening is so key and then validating what they just told you right like I mean that was the biggest thing that we struggled with I know that like if you were feeling like depressed or like sad like it was like pretty much like it's a funk like you'll get over it or like buck up buttercup life is hard and right. like, or not... my favorite thing too was like, if you tell something or if like, you like had a hard conversation and then your parents being like, you know, I love you and that's where it should end. Uh-huh. But like, I love you no matter what. Right. Or I still love you. Like, oh, I, th- th- those are just things that I, that's like just instantly telling your child, like, or a person period, like. I'm disappointed. Right. But I, I, I'm going to choose to love you through this. (laughs) Right. I'm like, uh, no. Like, how about just say like, I love you. Right. Thanks for telling me. Thank you for sharing this with me. And like, I'm also learning like the power of giving (sighs) 
buying ourselves time. So, like, I've realized that, like, as, like, our kids come to us for, like, life things or they tell us something that, like, maybe is a little jarring that we're not, like, 100% ready to, like, address right then and there, that, like, just having a positive reaction of, like, love and support initially without completely, like, you don't want to, like, have your kid come home and be like, Mom, I've decided that, like, I'm going to drop out of fifth grade. You know right. what I mean? Like, near, no. I love that for you. Right. Yes. Oh, what do you want for dinner? I'm going to make your special dinner tonight. Right. Like, but like, <laughs> instead of like overreacting in a negative way, like buy yourself some time. Right. Like by being like, okay, like I'm hearing what you're saying and like, I love you. And let's talk more about this later is like an okay thing to do. Right. Because like as parents, sometimes I feel like kids always come to you with, like, the most important thing in their day when, like, the world is blowing up. Right. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I'm, like, literally in the thick of making dinner. The baby is screaming her head off. The dog is barking outside. My phone's ringing. And, like, my kid needs to tell me, like, the most important thing about his day. And I need to, like, respond. This is, like, my golden parenting nugget for the day. And, like, it's getting (laughs) ruined. And I'm, like, okay, so I've learned that it's... Someone's taking a shit on my nugget. (laughs) It's just okay to be like, let's talk about this, like, tonight for sure, but, yeah. like, give me a few minutes. Like, it's okay to do that. I feel like I'm learning that, and I, I don't know taking why. taking that second, though, to acknowledge it. Like, right. oh, I'm so glad you're telling me this. I want to know more. Let me finish dinner really fast, and let's sit down, and let's have more of this conversation. Right? Like, it is okay to tell your kids that, like... I need to finish what I'm doing right now, and then I'll be able to give you my undivided attention after I'm done with this. Because, like... I think it's also big, though, to reflect and know when and where to be okay to do that. Because there are times where, like, we need to stop whatever we're doing and listen right then and there. So I do feel like there's a lot of, like, assessment that has to happen for that, too. Because kids are very demanding. They don't... (laughs) I've had conversations of, like... I don't feel like you're respecting my time. I have spent all day with, like, all day working. Then I got home and I've spent all afternoon with you. Now it is my bedtime. It's past your bedtime. It is now my bedtime and I would like to decompress. And you are coming in to my safe space, my space now. And I don't feel like you're respecting my time. I gave all of my time for you today. Now this is my time to give to me time. And, like, we've had conversations with that. And I want to have these, I want to listen, I want to be there, but I also need them to understand, like, how to respect other people's time, too. And sometimes that's... And also respecting that sometimes people won't react. Like, you sometimes have to let people process. And that is, like, I think a part of, like, for kids learning, because they are instant gratification. Like, kids are extremely focus on that instant gratification because that's what they look to us for. Right. But, like, I think that learning just as a parent to be, like, I need a minute to, like, process, especially when I'm home alone because, like, a lot of the time Ash is working and I'm making dinner and, like, I don't want to address this without, like, my partner in crime because I'm, like, I feel like she would come at this at a whole different angle than I'm going to. And so it helps to have that, like, a little bit of time to, like, bounce that idea back and forth to be, like, hey... Just so you know, this is the conversation tonight. Right. Like, well, and the kids always hit us too. Like, the kids a couple of months ago hit us with like, hey, so like, what's puberty? What's going to happen to my body? And Kirsten's like, uh, we'll talk about that tonight at dinner with mom and with mother when she gets home. Yeah. That'll be the dinner talk. (laughs) So, I mean, like, but 
So to maybe elaborate more on that, like if our parents would have taken time to process when they found out that we were together and that we were gay, mm. that is such a vulnerable spot. Mm-hmm. We were already like so vulnerable yeah. and teetering of like falling off everything that we were holding onto to balance that like, how do you think that we would have received them being like, thank you for telling me this. Right. I'm glad that you feel safe to tell me. Except I we love didn't you. get that choice. I want to process this. Do you think that we would have been on the receiving side okay with that? Or do you think we would have looked at that as like some sort of like deflect of what we just told them? But or we didn't as... get to tell them. We got we found didn't. out. So I think that also inhibited that from happening. What do you think? How do you think that we would like take that though? I don't know. I think that like... Because it's so hard, right? Because you have to validate. Right. I mean, I think it would have been better than what we received. Yeah. I just, like, I think that's something that I think about with our kids of, like, I don't know. I was reading a book, and they talked about how people will say, hey, like, I like, like, their daughter would come to them and be like, um, I need to tell you guys something. I like girls. And they're like, well, we still love you. Uh, How about you just say, oh, I love you. Thanks for telling me this. Right. Like, because we've been brought up in this world and it has been made known that it has to be between, like, a man and a woman versus just love who you love. Like, whatever your expectations are of how you want to be treated or what your expectation in a relationship is, that's more important to me with my kid. I just want them to be treated well and to treat other people well. Right. I don't want to put it in a square box and be like, well, if they don't have these body parts. Well, we would never do that. Like, but we would never do that to our kids, but we were done that to us. Right. So we're not that far from the generation. Right. Like, I would never put that on our kids. No. But we totally grew up that way. Yeah. We still are like. And it's still like. Coursed and given that like advice. Right. So, I can't picture saying that to our kids, but that's still what we deal with on a regular basis. Yeah. And that's what the kids are going to have to go through, too. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just, like, I'm so happy that we can be that for them. Mm -hmm. That it doesn't matter if they take a girl to homecoming this year and then a boy to homecoming next year. Right. Like, that doesn't matter. Right. You know? But, I don't know, that was something that kind of was intriguing to me. So, well, let's get back to, gosh, where do we live off? We just had... We just had Gavin. Yes. We just had our little man. Little man child. Oh my gosh. He was so cute. He. He still is. He was. When he was born though, he had like so many little wrinkles on his face. I know. He looked like such a little old man. He it was. Did. He's so cute. So cute. And he had a little bit more hair. Yeah. And he had very like deep dark eyes. Yeah. And his skin was like olive His skin is still olive Yeah. He has like a different skin tone. He's, he's a different color palette, like, if you were to pick one he's out. He's, like, the perfect touch of sun. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, he's sun-kissed. Like, it's, and it's it's just, he's, his skin is so, so handsome. It is. It so is. handsome. But, I mean, like, let's talk about transitioning from one to two. Oh, my God. And so quick. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. So they're, what? 19 months apart. We're going to have to do the math on that. Because I feel like we say 16, and then we say, like... 18, and then we say 19, and then we say 17. Okay. We're going to have to do the math on that one day. We'll let you know. They're close. They're very close. 
They're very close. They're very close. Um, but it was, so we, yeah, so we're not only adapting to two kids, but we're also adapting to still the idea that we have a son now. I know. When we thought we were going to have two girls. Yep. So we've got our little man and something you had to go through when you have a man child, when you have a boy that you don't with a female is you have to make a decision on circumcision. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that? We can. I think it affected you more than it affected me. Lies. No. Lies. You, I didn't even go. I just laid in the bed. I don't, okay, so that is one thing. I don't let our kids out of our sight. Okay? I've watched one too many movies where the kid gets mixed up and then they grow up and they grew up in the wrong family oh or God. somebody snagged them and like all the alarms are going off and I've got the little tags that stay on their like little ankles but they fall off so what's the use? Like, so I always stay with the children. Period. Mm-hmm. No matter where we went. We had one time where we left them with the nurse at the nurse's station. With yeah. all the nurses there. Right. But that was it. And so, she was the biggest baby on the unit. So, like, you couldn't really switch her up with any other babies. And it was the longest that we had stayed. And I think that that... We'd had that nurse a lot, too. So we had kind of a comfortability level a little bit there, too. Yeah. And the fact that they were going to be holding her in there and she wasn't going to, like, a nursery or going somewhere else. Like... Yeah. Anywho, so you have to make this decision if you're going, and clearly we didn't have to make a decision. We didn't, we haven't had to deal with this. Right. So now the research begins. So we start being like, And this I know is a controversial, like people are, this is like, you don't go onto like a mom, baby, like Facebook page and say like to circumcise or not to circumcise because you'll literally lose your head. Oh my God. And you have like tons of different comments. Um, and it is... (laughs) It is what it is. Um, whatever decision you make is the best decision. I think that's where I see it. Whatever decision you make is the best decision because you made it. Right. It sucks that they can't make it for themselves, I guess. I mean, Necessar- I mean, they could later right, on. We but kind of like research, like, like what do you like? When is the right time? And like, <sighs> what if we don't? And then he decides later he wants it done. That like, how I many guys actually like, go and get circumcised after, like, in their adult life when they can like make those decisions? And it's all, like also kind of a larger surgery at that point, right? Um, I don't know. There's a lot of we made our pros cons list, yeah. and based off of what we found together, we made the decision to go ahead with circumcision. Mm-hmm. And through the research, you find these horror stories of like botched circumcisions, like you do any type of procedure. Right. You know, something can always happen. And poor Gavin had to have like two things done because he also had a terrible lip tie. Mm-hmm. So we had to get his that, tongue. we had to get his tongue, the frenulum or whatever, snipped yeah. too. So poor kid was getting snips all over the place. So I went with him and I, t- I talked to the doctor and I was like, listen. Like, my biggest concern is that you, this isn't done right the first time, and he has to get another one. Like, take the right amount off. We don't want a peekaboo. We, like, our reasons behind why we're doing this is for cleanliness. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this needs to be done. It needs to be the right amount. da 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 Yeah. So, <laughs> Kirsten jokes. It was like, oh, Ash was like, all up in their business. And I was to an extent. I didn't I mean, watch I them there. cut. Okay. But I was there with our son, like to console him and be there for him and also make sure like I had good eye contact like don't fuck this up right (laughs) please don't fuck up my son's penis (laughs) okay he's already got two moms and a sister please give this child his manhood properly so um but I remember they didn't give us like a lot of 
first of all, we went home. Yeah. And they don't give you, like, a lot of, like, care it's for just like it. kind of like, like a, such a like common thing that they're like, here you go. And like, we don't know. No, we don't know. I don't feel like any par- parent really knows though. No. Until you've been through it. Like, and right. But we didn't know that there was a whole bunch. They were like, no, it's fine. Like it'll, it'll fall off the little bell. Yeah. Plasty bell. The plasty bell will fall off when it's ready to fall off. Like you don't have to like pick it out. Just clean them up like you normally would. And mm-hmm. yada, yada. Well then like I got to change his diaper. He's like, like, like three days later. And I like, or maybe two days later even. And I go to change his diaper and like straight up, like his diaper stuck to his like mm-hmm. manhood and it like ripped off a little bit, like the little scab. <laughs> and so now he's like bleeding on his penis, which is anybody's like nightmare. Yeah. And I'm like, our son's dick is, he's bleeding. And so I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So we call the doctor and like talk to the doctor. I was like, oh my God, like we met, the doctor didn't mess it up. I messed it up. And so I, we were worried. I wasn't and really as worried. Because, lies. Okay. Lies. I was supposed to go to Target and have like a, like. This is what you remember? A Starbucks. Yeah. Oh my God. I was God. supposed to go to the Target and get to have like a like 15 minute alone time. And okay. you called me. Okay. And you were like, you have to come outside right now. Gavin's bleeding. Outside. Yeah. You were driving with him. Like you had him because the doctor was right across the street from the Target. So, okay. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to have 15 minutes. Of- I just need 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as the lesbian wife, you don't get minutes. But you have the expectation to be the mom, too. Dads get this, like, flyby. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. Dads get the flyby. Oh, they're men. They don't, they, don't, they don't have the motherly instinct. Okay, I'll give that for a second. Like, they get some somewhat of a free pass. I also think that a lot of women are harder on men because of that stigma or whatever, too. So, I, you know what? I, I back them up. I'm there to support them, whether they, like, do amazing or they get a free pass or whatever. I, like, I support all of it. It's fine. Whatever. But as a lesbian mom that didn't carry, mm-hmm. I feel like the expectation's a little higher. Yeah, because you... Ooh, see? Did you see how... She didn't, even, she didn't even hesitate. She was like, uh, yeah. Uh, the... <laughs> Pretty much, especially from someone that had like what nine siblings, so you're like, okay. I know I'm an okay. expert at seven, this. seven expert, and I only life. really had to like care for three. Uh, okay, well, okay, John and Kate plus eight over here 90% of the time. Oh, god bless it. So, anyways, I'm concerned because now our son's manhood is, is bleeding, mm-hmm. and so we go to the doctors and they check everything. They're like, oh, no, it's not a big deal. They just, like, put a little Vaseline on it. And then his right. diaper won't fit. I was like, why didn't you guys tell us this in the first place? Like, I could have, like, prevented this. Mm-hmm. Now I feel awful. So I bought that kid the biggest vat of Vaseline ever for yeah. his manhood. It was, like, G's manhood cream. So <laughs> manhood salve, vas. whatever, vas, yes. So, but everything went really good with it. Like, it was all yeah. good to go. But I definitely was like, mm. It was a, Yeah. Well, it was, like, hard, too, because he had his little belly button and that. So, like, there was... And then his broken collarbone. Oh, my God. He was and then mess, his frenulum. You guys. From literally head to, like, toe. Head to peenie. Yeah. <laughs> he was a mess. God bless it. But it, it was all over quick, you know? It like, was. Like, we get it all over. All of it at the same time. Well, and so when we went to go get Gavin's frenulum snipped, like, the, the like, skin latch underneath the tongue because he couldn't spit his tongue out of his mouth yeah so So he wasn't able to breastfeed and latch well so we have to go do that and so here i am trying to do that and i have to drop kirsten off at the er 
Oh, yeah. You had to go, not the ER, you went to the... Like the OB clinic that was in the same building. They like got me yeah. with like an emergency appointment or whatever. Because I thought I was dying. Kirst was like, there's one in there. Like, I remember driving to the placenta lady thing, like, to the lady that, like, takes the placenta and, like, dehydrates it and makes it into capsules. Mm-hmm. Kirsten being like, I don't know, like, I just don't feel right. Like, I feel like there's another one in there. Like, what if there were twins? What if there was a girl? Like, we're having all these conversations. She's like, I just, I still feel like I'm in labor. Like, I feel like I'm having the contractions. Well, then she gets to a point where she's, like, in tears. She's like, I have to be, no, take me to the doctor. Just take me to the hospital. I'm like, all right, we'll go. I've already taken him to get his frenulum done. Like, so... Again, I go with Gavin for this, like, little unknown, scary procedure. I'm like, oh my god, they're just going to take a blade to my son's mouth. Ah! <laughs> I have to drop my wife off in tears. Yeah. Like... Was not doing well. And apparently, like, one of the medicines that they gave her makes her... Yeah, they gave uterus? me... Like, a... And it was a hemorrhage medication, so it makes your uterus, like, contract really, really bad. And they didn't really tell me... That was going to happen. So, like, I was having, like, severe uterine contractions. Like, my uterus was back down to its, like, normal size, like, days after birth, not weeks. It was bad. Right. Yeah. So, but she was I very was just, uncomfortable. It was very painful. Um, And then the nurse is like, okay, like, so, mom, you can hold him or I can hold him and you can console him. Or a lot of times what we recommend is just let me hold him. The doctor will do the procedure really fast and then you wait outside the door. And I was like, uh. I don't really know how I feel about all this. And I ended up opting into letting the nurse hold him. And I don't remember. I think I did wait outside the door. Yeah, I think I think I waited in the doorway. I I wasn't comfortable with them closing the door. um, But I, like, let the nurse hold G. And we hadn't had his whole, like, collarbone thing diagnosed yet at this no. time either no but they were so gentle he didn't even cry right like i remember kirsten being like is he okay and he he had one tiny drip of blood that was <laughs> it nothing more after that and he didn't cry like everything was super chill and easy and it, they literally i guess like just slid it and the sooner you do it the better because it doesn't have all the nerves that have grown in yet yeah so it was super easy and his latch was way was easier good. i like brought him down to you and you like fed him right then and there yeah. and it was like way better and i remember you struggled with feeding him because it made your uterus contract even more yeah so <laughs> but i remember like giving him to you and you were like oh my god that's a huge difference <laughs> like yeah. it was instant. we were like all better like it was like we were both of us are on like a good a good track now yep so we get home we're adapting to two munchkins now yeah and i remember sawyer or peyton at the time was so excited about having a little baby brother like she loved him yeah it was so cute we have little pictures of them like she there i think one of my favorite pictures is the one where he's like laying there he's real little newborn and she's just like looking at him and smiling and he's kind of like smiling up at her too like it's it's super cute cute. um but she did she totally loved having Mm -hmm. a baby brother it was like she did not have the like regression of not being an only child because i think she was so young too that like she really they don't remember life without each other no not at all so i mean that was the nice thing about having them so close together well, and then everybody thought they were twins once he got to a certain height. Yeah. And we're like, no, they're not. They're just really close in age. Yeah. Um, and then people kept asking us if they were those, like, uh, Irish twins or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, no, it was it was so much fun, though, because, like, Gavin and Sawyer are totally different. 
Like, they were totally different babies. Oh, yeah. And Sawyer, like, slept through the night first go. Gavin slept through the night their first, like, three months. And then, nope. He didn't sleep. Like, didn't sleep. No, not at all. Like, not during the day, not during the night. I remember I went back to work. I think this time I waited, like, two months to go back, which sounds like... Terrible saying that now because, like, we should be waiting, like, six months to a year to go back to work. Right. Our country definitely needs to get better on the bandwagon on, like, paternity leave and, and, like, maternity leave and why it's so important for us to be there for the first years of our kid's life. Right. And also, like, for the, you know, mom that, like, went through all that, like... You're like, oh, you know, I'm going to take a whole six weeks off. And, like, it seems so long, but then, like, when you're post-birth and, like, have a newborn, you're like, six weeks is, like, literally no time. A blink of an eye. It's not enough time. So I think I took an extra two weeks with Gavin, which was, like, wow, shocker. Um, And so, you know, it was just adapting to, like, we both worked full-time. Yep. It was a lot. It was. And with Gavin not sleeping, I mean, he would sleep, like, 30 minutes, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Like, sporadically throughout the day. It was never the same times. Like, he just, he was kind of all over the place. But, um, he was such, he was so just thick. <laughs> like, we yes. called him pot roast for the t- first two years of his life. Yeah. Because he, he didn't have rolls. No. He wasn't super tall. He was tall, but he wasn't super tall. He... Like, was not chunky, but you'd go to pick him up. And, like, I wish that we would have, like, taken pictures of people picking him up off the ground. I know. Because all, like, the most consistent thing was, hi, buddy, Gabby, how are you? <laughs> like, people would always <laughs> pick him up and be like, <laughs> Like, because he was, he was just, like, it was like he had, like, a cement diaper on. He like, it did. cracked me up. He was so heavy. And he was super, like, he was all boy. Yes. He still is all boy. Yes. But he was, like... I want to play. Like, we got him a basketball hoop, and he played basketball like it was, like, his life depended on it. Like, kid could barely walk, and he was like, I take this ball, and I put it in that hole. Yeah! Like, he was about it. But Gavin didn't talk. No. Gavin didn't sleep. Gavin didn't talk. Mm -mm. We got to, like, 18 months. Yeah, almost two years. And they were like, so what words does he say? And we're like, uh... He doesn't. And we tried really hard not to compare him to Sawyer because Sawyer was way ahead. Like, by the time Sawyer was, like, two years old, she was spelling her name. Right. Like, knew the whole alphabet, could count to 20. Like, girl was, like, way ahead. Right. And then there's Gabby. And he's just, like... He's, like, I could do a puzzle and not say a word to you. Yeah, he was and, meticulous like, he, oh with, my like, God. his coordination. He'd, like, hand-eye and, like, fine He'd line motor. all of his cars up. Yeah. His cars all had to be lined up. Like, he was very, very, very meticulous. Yeah, like, but he didn't talk. No, he didn't. He I remember one day silent. I came home from work and he, you guys were upstairs and I came upstairs and he told me, I love you. Yeah. And I remember he that. He like, I yeah you. I yeah you. I yeah you. And I was like, <gasps> it was like one of the first times he had said like more than a word all at one time. And he had, like, the deepest little voice, too. Like, his little giggle. And he'd always, his voice would crack a lot. It was super cute. So we got to his, like, 18-month appointment. And they were like, hey, like, he should, his speech is a little bit behind. Like, he, you know, he might be, like, needing some some help with this. And so we were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I, we agree. And so um, we got him with some really cool 
um, just like speech therapy and occupational therapy. And like, that was like his like jumpstart. Like he was. That's all he needed really was like somebody to come in and help us to be able to know like, because I think what was happening too is like Sawyer talked so much. Mm -hmm. So like. She talked for him. Like, yeah, she, that's a thing with siblings. Yeah. She understood him. Like if we didn't know what he was saying, she would be like, oh, he wants this. And we're like, he wants juice. Yeah. He wants snack. He wants a snack. He's tired. He's ready for bed. He wants his ball. (laughs) He can't find his ball. Uh, (laughs) We were like, and we'd be like, he said that. She'd be like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, duh. Didn't you hear him? Right. But and we kind of look at him and he'd just be sitting there and we're like, and then we'd like give him his ball or like, yeah, g- give him Do, a snack or yeah. something. And he would just light up like, that's what I was saying the whole time. Right. So but, that is totally a thing. Yeah. That sibling, like they have like they just, telepathy, whatever yeah. it's called. Telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> I don't know. It was, so we did that and like they, t- just little things. Like they had us like make a book of him. And his, like, routine oh, before yeah. bed. So we'd, like, take pictures one night. like Gavin's nine-night book. Yeah. And so we just printed the pictures. It was just, like, computer paper. Right. But we just, like, made it into a book and talked about, like, what he had to do so he knew what to do to get ready and go to bed. And because the kid just would, like... And he, he was so good. He would just lay in his bed. He wouldn't get up. No. He, but he would lay there just awake. Just awake. And Hang you would think... Out. We'd be like, he's going to nod off. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a toy. He's not playing. He's not talking. Like, he's just, like, laying there. Like, he's going to nod off. And then, like, we'd watch, like, an episode or two of a show or, like, a movie. And we'd, like, check on him, like, through the, like, uh, like monitor or whatever, the baby monitor. And he'd just still be there, his little glowing eyes. And he'd be like, what the hell? Like, oh, my God. He's, like, not, he's not. We'd, sleeping. like, go check on him. And, like, I'd, like, go into the room. And he would just get, like, a big old grin. And sometimes he'd giggle. And be, like, yeah. he's so cute. And he was such a snuggler. Like, he was so sweet. I know. He still is. Oh, yeah. Both of sure. our kids, like, both Sawyer and Gavin are very big snugglers. Like, yes. But he's still, like, when it's bedtime, kid's out. Oh, yeah. Like, you cannot wake him up until it is time to wake up in the morning. I feel like when you're in the thick of that whole part of, like, sleepless nights, though, of, like, having young kids, it just feels like it's never going to end. Well, we tried everything because we're still at the townhouse during this. Yeah. So, So the kids were sharing a room at the time. I was also working nights as one Mm -hmm. of my jobs at this point. So, I was coming home. We had um, the light rail going in. So, I was... (laughs) I remember I picked up our queen mattress at the time. Oh, yeah. And it fit perfectly between the changing table, the crib, and the toddler bed. Mm-hmm. And I, like, laid it down in there and would shut the door because there was construction, like, right out front, like, literally on the end of our street. Yeah. And I couldn't sleep. And I was getting, it was getting to me really yeah. bad between Gavin not sleeping and then between the construction and me not being able to sleep during the day. Like, nights. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was, it was really, really getting to me. Um, but it was funny because our queen mattress fit perfectly and i'd it, always come home and be like where is our mattress I, I know you couldn't like go hang out because i'd pick up the mattress and go so, sometimes you just find me on the carpet with like a blanket and a pillow like <laughs> girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do but um but yeah we would... split up their rooms too so we gave up our master and moved our bed into our living room downstairs we essentially turned our living room and our like main floor into a into studio, a studio. Yeah. And then we gave the kids their own rooms upstairs. We tried to make the townhouse because, like, we had been renting this townhouse for a long time. And, like, we had a good deal for rent. Like, nine years. Yeah. Like, our landlord really didn't raise the rent on us. Like, she was really good to us. Yeah. Um, and we made sure that we were 
as best tenants as we could possibly be. Right. She took a big risk on us, too, because I felt like when we first met her, like, she... Oh, my God. (sighs) She was awesome. Like, she definitely... She had her own style. Yeah. Like, when we met her, she had, like, denim shorts on with, like, a... What are those called? A jumpsuit. A jumpsuit on underneath. No, that's not what it's called. Not a jumpsuit. What is it? (sighs) Leotard? Yeah, but it was, like, a unitard. Okay. With the legs. (laughs) Kirsten... (laughs) She says unitard and, like, looked into my eyes and my soul. Unitard! Um, (laughs) Her neck just snapped over and looked at me so hard. Um, She was so, like, I don't know, like, just funky cute. Like, this just lady. And, like, she totally was taking a risk on us as, like, young Well, and she was skeptical. And she told us, she goes, guys, I'm, like, ladies, I'm skeptical. You're really, really young. Yeah. Like, how do I know that you're going to take care of my property? Right. And we were like, "I, I mean... We can't tell we can't tell you besides just trust us. Like right. this is our story. We told her our story. Yeah. We were like, we've been together since we were 17. This is what we've gone through. This is where we're getting to. Yeah. This townhouse is a huge dream for us and a huge check on our bucket list. Right. It was such a perfect little townhouse. Like, and we tried to make it work so as long as we possibly could with having the two kids. Literally as long as we could. But once you have to start, like, making the downstairs a studio apartment, like, we did everything to make that place as, like, livable as possible for as long as we possibly could. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, I think that, like, we did it with the two kids for almost five years. Uh, yeah. Four and a half, five years. Yeah. So. We did. You know, we and we probably we used the downstairs as a studio for a year of that, mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half. It was of like that. the last year, year and a half that yeah. we did that, because like the kids would just not sleep if they were yeah. in the same room together, and it was like yeah. it wasn't worth it. And we it also was so cute though, because they would like you would like hear them giggling at each other. It was adorable, and they would talk. And, like, tell each other Sawyer things. would get up and, like, reach her little arms through the crib and, like, rub his hair and, I like, know. his head. And, just be... and I always sang the kids songs to go to sleep. So we'd, like, hear her in there being like, good night, sweetheart. <laughs> it was so cute. It was so cute. But, but also... then all of a sudden you'd all, uh, then you'd hear, like, Sawyer's little scream and then Gavin's little crackly voice scream and giggling. And, we'd and then like, an hour and a half hey. would go by and you're like, they're not, in, like, they would not go to sleep. No. It was good when we did separate them and let them have their space. And Yeah. Um, Brina always had to sleep in with Sawyer. Mm-hmm. It was super cute. Well, and then we made that whole, because that master was pretty big. So we put like her bed in there, but then we made like a whole playroom for them in there too. Yeah. I mean, we made the best of it that we possibly could. Yeah, it was, I mean, it, and it worked. It did. But then we decided that, like, we should look into, like, if we're going to move from here, the only way we're going to put ourselves in a better place is if we buy a place. Yeah. So that's what we did. Mm-hmm. So our time at the townhouse, we were there for a total of 10 years. Yeah. And it was well, hard to say goodbye. Well, and then I think that we ended up making the downstairs a studio because you had surgery. And oh, yeah. you couldn't go up those stairs like that. But the bathroom was upstairs. no. When I had surgery, the bed was still upstairs in our room. Yeah. Okay. But I did have surgery. That was a whole ordeal, too. Yeah. I think we talked slightly about, like, odd injuries in one of our 10 days of Christmas. But, like, this was, like, Ashley's oddest injury that caused the most, like, long-term... Still to this day, I deal with it. Right. We, um... I think we have time to tell it really fast. Yeah. Well, we... We were house-sitting for my dad... And we had all stayed the night there and we were up and getting ready to go to work. Mm-hmm. And we had forgotten something upstairs for one of the kids. 
And so we ran up there and my dad didn't, at this time, my dad didn't wear shoes on his carpet upstairs. So I took my shoes off and ran up the stairs really fast, grabbed what I needed and then came back down. And as I came around to go back down the stairs, I stubbed my little pinky toe on my right foot on the wall and like kicked it. And Kirsten heard it outside. Yeah. And I came outside hobbling. Like I make it down the stairs and I'm just like cursing under my breath. Just like, Oh my God. Oh shit. Oh damn it. I did. Oh, I did it. So I came outside and I'm like, at this point I'm, I'm like silent and I'm just like, just get in the car. And Kirsten's like, what was that? And I was like, it was my foot. And you were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but so we get the kids to the nannies. We both get to work. Kirsten worked at an urgent care at this time. And, um, I get to work and my foot is killing me. Like not my little pinky toe. No, the whole thing. Like my whole foot. And so I'm like sending Kirsten like pictures of my feet, like my foot next to the other foot and like the swelling started and then I'm like drawing arrows to where it hurts really bad. So then like my lunch comes around and I'm like, I'm going to go get x-rays of my foot. Like I can barely walk. Like I am in serious, serious pain right now. And they're like, just take the day. Go right. take care of yourself. Go like you messed you it. Well, I don't know what you did, but you did something. So I went and got x-rays done and Kirsten had a couple of friends that worked with her at this point. She'd been at this like urgent care for a while now that she had a couple of like good friends and every, like every couple months I would usually get sick as hell and I'd have to go in there and get seen. And like, sometimes it was like a shot in the ass of steroids and one of them would get the lucky draw and have to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just, get, but these people were freaking awesome. Well, the x-ray tech took a x-ray of my foot and I just hear her. She was like, holy hell, Ash, what did you do? And so I tell her what I did. And she's like, oh my God. So then she, <laughs> I, we're like family at this point. Yeah. Like it's like the work family. And so then she's like calling people in. She's like, come look at this shit. Oh, she's going to need surgery. Like, I mean, they're calling all this. Like this isn't what they normally do with patients. Right. Like they usually wait till the radiologist looks at it. They usually wait for this. The doctor comes in and he's like, oh, I don't remember which. I don't remember which doctor it was. I don't know. Um, but I, I just remember them being like, oh no. And I was like, oh, is it that bad? And they're like, yep. So I get referred out mm -hmm. to ortho. Yeah. So then I go and they're like, oh yeah, we're definitely going to have to put a screw in that. And you're going to, you're going to need some hardware. So I end up getting my first surgery in October of 2015. Yeah. So Gavin's like a year and a half old. Mm -hmm. Sawyer's two. Uh-huh. And here I am all laid up have to get the surgery done they gave me a nerve block and i think it was this one where i got a nerve block and the nerve block lasted it's supposed to only last like up to 24 hours and mine lasted like three days yeah to the point to where the surgeon was like if you don't get feeling in your bottom of your leg soon like to like you need to come in like there might be something wrong yeah so then i remember one day it was all of a sudden like a switch went off and all of a sudden I had instant pain. Like all the numbness just went away all at once. And I was like in terrible pain. And I don't remember. Was I still taking my medication? They gave me like pain pills. Was it this surgery or the next surgery that um, I went back in? It was the next one. I don't remember. There was so much stuff that happened. So I, so I get this, I go in and get my stitches out. And during that time when I got my stitches out, they were like, okay, like, let's check your range of motion, da, da, da. And I could not, like, t turn my ankle. Mm -hmm. And what had happened was that essentially I broke 
apart the base of my fifth metatarsal in my foot. So like the bone it that's connected to my pinky toe all the way down in my foot, like just below my ankle. So I completely break that off. Well, there's a ligament that attaches to that fifth metatarsal. So when I did that, I stretched and tore the ligament and that ligament falls all the way up the outside of your ankle, all the way up to the side of your knee. So when they went in and put it all back together and put the screw in there, the ligament got stuck on the front of my knee or on the front of my ankle. So now I couldn't turn my ankle. So they had to go back in for a second surgery. Mm-hmm. And so on your ankle this time. Yes. So they slice open my ankle. So I have like a two to three inch slice on the side of my foot. Mm-hmm. And now they go in and they do a slice on my ankle. And this is probably like if you took your entire adult hand mm-hmm. and like made a C, that's about how big my scar is. Mm-hmm. Maybe a t- slightly smaller, but not by much, like maybe a mil- millimeter or two. But that's about how big my scar is on my ankle. And so they went in there and they had to tack down the extra slack in the ligament and then reconnect, like pull it to the side and, and pin it down. So I get this one done and I'm like, okay, I get another nerve block in it. Well, this nerve block like comes off really quick. Yeah. And the amount of pain that I was in with this surgery was like sevenfold. It was the second one. Yeah. So I, Kirsten ended up having to take me back in and they have to give me IV painkillers mm-hmm. to get my pain back under control because I was in so much pain. I couldn't get on top of it. And we tried for, I think like a day and a half mm-hmm. and they're like, no, you just need to come in. We just need to help you get on top of this. So we do that. Well, then Kirsten's like, all right, we're setting alarms. So they made me set alarms to alter like ibuprofen every six hours. And then they gave me like some sort of pain, like prescribed pain pill. Yeah. And I don't like taking medicine. I don't like taking pills. So this was very hard for me. But Kirsten would come in like little Miss Nurse back then. And I mean, how was that for you having me laid up? Because I wasn't able to go to work. I was at home. I really couldn't like get around. It was hard. And we had two toddlers. Yeah, it was busy. Like I was still working full time, Mm -hmm. taking the kids to the nannies and then like coming home and, you know, Ash was like. In a lot of pain a lot of the time. So, like, she was, like, sleeping a lot because her meds would, like, knock her out, too. Which, like, the only time she wasn't really in pain. Um, My anxiety at this point was through the roof. Yeah. There was just a lot going on. And I remember being, like, wasn't, like, mad at you, but I was so frustrated that, like, all of this was just going on. Because I feel like it was so much, like, on me to just do the kids. You were a little mad. I I mean, I was mad because... I wasn't, like, mad at you. Right. I was just mad at the situation. Like, the situation was, like, shitty. It just sucked being, you know, like, pretty much a single mom for a hot minute. And right. then, like, it was just one thing after another with, like, your ankle. Well, then, so then, like, I got the stitches out on the outside of my ankle. I went in because it was, like, starting to, like, give me some problems. Yeah. And so, like... Over the course of, like, 12 hours, my ankle swelled up with infection. Mm. Within 12 hours, like, burst the, the, like, incision open. And so then I go back in, and they're like, oh, well, like, your body's probably rejecting the internal stitch. So they don't numb me up. They just right there in the office, just slice it open and take out the internal stitches. There's, like, two internal stitches there. So now I have this, like, gaping hole in my incision, and... 
they're like, yeah, you're going to have to pack this with, like, sterile gauze. Mm-hmm. And you have to change it, like, every, like, six hours or something yeah. like that. I don't know how to freaking do this. Let alone, like, I can barely bend my leg back to be able to reach this. So I have to have somebody else do it for me. I think my brother did it one time for me. And then Kirst did it one time. And then the swelling went down enough to where then I could reach it and do it myself. But I had to do that for, like, a week? Yeah. week and a half? And... This whole time, too, I was on oral antibiotics. Right. Well, as a female, you get antibiotics, and then you get that level of intensity of, like, potency of antibiotics. Then on top of that, now you're fighting this battle of, like, making sure you're putting in good bacteria Mm -hmm. versus fighting off this bad bacteria that's happening so you don't have lady problems. So I'm, like, fighting that battle of, like, just a torn-up stomach, feeling like shit, being in a ton of pain, and now fighting off this... um, infection that is not going away. Right. And Kirst knows enough and working in urgent care. And then she's of course asking like her like colleagues and doctors and things like that. And they're like, no. And then at one point in time I got given a antibiotic that like is not used for, um, like tendons because it can make tendons like rupture. Yeah. Like a black box warning. It's like (gasps) black box warning. (laughs) Yeah. Big black box warning. (laughs) So, um, so Kirsten's, I like come home and have like this medication that I've gotten. And I remember Kirsten being like, what do you have? What is the, what they give you this time and reading it and being like, you can't take this. Like Kirsten was yeah. pissed. She was like, why would they even give you this? They know what your surgery was. Why would this even happen? It literally <laughs> oh is like the black boxes, like ankle tendon, like Achilles tendon ruptures. It's bad for tendons. And she had a tendon surgery. <laughs> Kirsten, I was- and well, so Kirsten calls to like ask a nurse and like the on-call surgeon doctor at that time like calls and's like hey like what's going on she was like i don't know y'all prescribed my wife this stuff and it literally says like you can't take it with this like so should she be taking it like we have a serious infection going on so then they start going in and like looking more into this whole infection and trying to like diagnose where is this infection what's causing it why is it still here why is this like these oral antibiotics not working and they find that the infection's like in the base of my tibia. Yeah. So now we have which off, is like, like the off. front of my ankle now. Bo- bone infection. So yeah. So now it's become a bone infection at this point. Right. And so like, now we're out to like um, infectious disease doctor. Do you know how shitty it is to tell people like, sorry, I can't hang out. I have to go to the infectious disease <laughs> clinic. <laughs> Nobody wants to be your friend. <laughs> Talk about feeling like the leper. <laughs> they should rename it something different. They should! Like, the Fix-It Clinic or something. The Fix-It Infectious Diseases. Right. Seriously, though. Like, you are you don't tell anybody. Well, it's not like you meant to get this infectious disease, you know? Right. Like, it was an option. Like, I chose this dirty life. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it makes you feel. You feel so shunned. And you go in there. she came home with that referral, I remember that day she, like, came home and she was like, they're referring me to an infectious disease doctor. Can you believe that? And I was I like, I, it was awful. Like yeah, I, it was mostly. I was she mortified. Had to have infusions done of like or like IV antibiotics, like with a port. Kate, yes, people. I have tattoos. Yes, people. I have had piercings. I can't take a shot, let alone a freaking blood draw. Okay, like if I have to get my blood drawn, I have to have one of those chairs that has a little padded arm that comes down to hold you in for when you pass out. I have to always tell them if I don't, if I tell them where I'm like, Hey, so my little tattoo of a gecko, it's in, the, the vein you want to get is in that tail. I don't know where it's at in the tail. I just know it's in the tail. And th- then it's like, if I tell them that a lot of people take it as like, 
I know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm going to get it the first time. No, they don't. The people that listen to me are like, oh, thanks so much for telling me where to stick you. Get it the first time. And I'm like, thank you for being so kind and nice. I'm still bawling. They're like, honey, it's okay. It's over. And I'm still like, sorry, can I have some Gatorade or I need some sugar? Like, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass out. (laughs) So when you go to the infectious disease clinic, Mm -hmm. you have to have a pick line. Will you please explain a pick line? Yeah, they just need to have access to a bigger vein in your body than just what's in your arms and stuff. So they need to get into usually your heart. Think of a piece of cooked spaghetti. And they take this tube and they put, they make a slice. Okay, it's not a needle. They make a slice in your arm. And then they feed through this piece of spaghetti. And it goes in to your arm. Okay, the worst feeling ever. And I'm super hypersensitive. I can feel like all, like I can hardcore feel all this. Like I'm, I'm very, very hypersensitive. She's trying to get it in. I'm bawling hysterically. Now an extra nurse has come in to hold my hand and keep well, me calm and talk the other nurse through. This was a good idea for you to go alone. Yeah. I don't remember like why that happened. I didn't know I was getting a pick line, and I didn't know what the hell pick line was. Right. So poor. I don't ask a lot of questions. So I'm bawling hysterically. The table you have to sit on looks like the table that they use in Death Row. Because they have like these like arm things that go out and they like hold, they like put this little strap around your arm to hold you there. And then you're like sitting up. It literally looks like the table, like on death row. That's what it looks like. It's like a little like cross table. Okay. (laughs) It's scary and it's intimidating and it's cold. So (laughs) another nurse is coming in. I'm hysterically bawling. This lady cannot get this freaking piece of spaghetti tube up my arm. And... Then she finally gets it in and another nurse comes in and helps her. She finally gets it in. And then to make sure it's in the right place, they hook it up to saline and push saline through it. They push the saline and my left ear starts bubbling with fluid. And I'm like, oh my, now I'm gagging. I'm going to save you all the sound. Now I'm gagging and I'm crying even more now. I can feel it going into my neck and it's bubbling in my ear. And they're like, oh no, we have to do it again. And I was like, what? Because when they put it in... It can either go up the, like, vein artery in your neck, and they know it's in your neck or in the wrong vein by pushing the saline because you'll hear it in your ears. And so they have to pull it back out and then, like... Try again. Put it back in to where it goes into the vein, like, up almost above your heart, essentially, is, like, where it's going. And it's because this medication is so strong that it can't just be given to you through, like, an IV. It has to go in... Like a larger... A larger vein or artery or whatever right. it is. I don't. I don't know what the terminology is on That's that. That's right. You were right. <sighs> See, nursing school is doing me well too. Yeah. So, they finally get it in. I'm hysterical, and then they tell me I have to go someplace else now by myself. I have to go and get an X-ray to make sure it's in the right spot. And if it's not, I have to come back and do it all again. Yeah. Thankfully. I call Kirsten hysterical. I was right. like, this is the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And so <laughs> then then they tell me that I have to, like, wear this. So now I have this, like, piece of spaghetti hanging out of my arm and all this, like, tape and these pads and these cleaning pads. And that they tell me that I have to get it cleaned, like, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Just all this stuff. And I have to go to this infusion clinic with all these other people that have disease, like, need infusions. <laughs> There's people in there with, like, their wounds getting cleaned. And, like, I'm... I was mortified and I was like, I think after my second week there, I had horrible reactions to the medicine. So I had to have the slowest drip because I had like red bands. Yeah. Which essentially is like dipping your head to your shoulders into an anthill. That's how creepy crawly you feel from this medication. It's a side effect. And the only way to like stop it is by stopping the drip or slowing down the drip. 
but you have to have the medication get into your body within a certain period of time. Otherwise, your body metabolizes it mm -hmm. and, like, waters it down to where it's not effective. It doesn't work. Then you have to get blood draws. Oh, more fun. Right. To monitor your kidneys and your liver because it's so potent. My hair starts falling out. Yeah. Like, this is mortifying. Then I'm like, can I please do these infusions at home? Like, my wife knows how to hook it up. You guys can teach me how to hook it up. Can I please do these infusions at home? Like, I can't manage coming to the infectious disease clinic to get this done. And they're like, sure. Like, as long as you can show us that you can hook it all up by yourself good, then yeah, sure, you can do that. So we start doing that. Yeah. Doesn't work. Still doesn't work. We're like two, three weeks into infusions, still not working. Mm -hmm. Now my kidneys and my liver are starting to show that they're starting to... Like, have signs of, like, damage. Yeah. So now they're like, well, there's one other drug that just came out. We can try this antibiotic, but if that doesn't work, we need to seriously talk about the next step. And I'm like, uh, what's the next step? And they're like, we might have to seriously talk about... Well, so then they did aspirations. Yeah. Which is a big, thick needle with a live x-ray. And they just, like, go in with this big-ass thick needle and try to suck out fluid. It's the worst thing I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, I flew off the table the first time they did it, screamed the fuck word... Like, and I, and then I'm apologizing profusely. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I said, fuck. Oh, fuck, fuck. That hurts. Like, it was terrible. And the amount of pain I was in on top of it. Right. And then I felt like shit because the medicine makes you feel like shit. Right. This was like a life changing experience for us. Yeah. It was extremely hard on our relationship. It was extremely hard on me as a person. Physically, mentally, all the things. Yes. I think it was, like, super eye-opening to us, too, that, like, we were young, and, like, things can go south real fast. Like, this was just supposed to be, like, a basic-ass tiny toe surgery that turned right. into a almost lost your leg. Yeah, so then they were like, well, we can go in and do, like, exploratory surgery and try to clean it out the best we can, or, and I was like, what's or? And they're like, or we have to really talk about like, possible amputation. I was like, I'm oh, sorry, excuse me, what? Right. So I stubbed my toe and almost lost half my leg. <laughs> right. Don't stub your toe. Moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So our, like, first two years with our kids, like, first... Mm -hmm. First two years with two under two, or it was like... First two and a half years. Yeah. was rough. It was. Because that was, like, a solid six-month stint. And yeah. we were at the end of the year, so October I had my first surgery... December 15th, I had my second surgery because I didn't want to pay a deductible with our insurance again. We met two out-of-pocket maximums because her antibiotic per bag was like, I think they said like, wasn't it like $1,600 It was freaking insane. Yeah. I ended up paying two deductibles anyways. I don't know why we rushed. Well, we but... paid two out-of-pocket maximums over the course of yeah. six months. Yeah. It, it was, was insane. Insane. So... Moral of the story, um, don't stub your toe. We're house slippers, friends. Yeah. God bless it. But. Oh, thanks for being here. That's kind of like a, that's a heavy come down on that end of the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, friends. We appreciate all your support and love. Um, go check out our Instagram at the Ashen Kirst. We've got our TikTok. We've been a little light on our TikTok recently, but it's yeah. Lesbian Honest Podcast. Um, Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Have an amazing rest of your week. Bye.